So a new year. Here we are at a brand new year. Um, and something feels kind of new about it, you know? It's like it's new. There's something new in the air. Can you just, like, feel it? It's like a new year. I don't know if any of you use an analog calendar anymore. Do you ever have a paper thing on the wall? It's like you put the new one up, you know, and it's like, boom, you know, the new paper. This is a new year. This is a new thing. Uh, yeah, but it's also the same. It's also like nothing's changed, but then everything sort of changed. Like this feeling in the air, you can feel it in your bones, like something's new. And it gives us a new perspective, maybe, on like our life or things we want to do. And many of us have been making New Year's resolutions. It's a time of year where we kind of think through, we reevaluate reality and where we want to see you know, our lives grow or develop. But it's also like the same, but it's like totally new. I mean, and even if you don't have an analog calendar, uh, maybe there's other ways you sort of see it. You know, digitally, you're like, I just feel it. Like something is new. Something's new in the air. And I don't know if you ever, have you ever seen something in a new way that you've seen a million times before, but then all of a sudden it's like totally different. Like you kind of, Capture it in a new way. You're like, I didn't know that was there this whole time. You know, it's like, or I never saw it that way. That something happens with our mind, and like clicks over, and we're like, see something in a new way. Like it's fresh for us in a new way. We grasp reality. It's like a new grasp of reality, and that's actually the definition of this word, epiphany. Epiphany is this new grasping of reality. And epiphany is uh, a word in the English language, but epiphany is also this Christian sort of holiday, this time to reflect on the early years of Jesus' life, and especially the moment when the three wise men or the three like uh, scholars from the East came to visit Jesus uh, in the manger. And it is, a, it is a little while after Jesus was born. So a lot of people say, you know, your manger scenes are totally wrong because there would never be the three wise men and the sheep and the shepherds and everyone together at one time because the, the wise men came later, like much later. Um, but that's okay, right? We're just like, it's still cool. You can set up your nativity. It's totally fine. Uh, but if you want to be biblical, right, theological about the nativity, uh, you'd have to put in the wise men later. You have to roll them in, like, you know, a couple weeks later or something. Because what happens is there's this star in the sky, and this kind of time elapse for these wise men to travel far, far away from the east. And the reason it's called Epiphany this season is because these wise men, they symbolize seeing Jesus in a new way. They symbolize grasping the reality of who Jesus is and especially because they're sort of outsiders. You know, they're not like one of the shepherds or Mary or Joseph or the inside type crew in that early story. They're from way, they're from the east, you know, kind of this mysterious, faraway place. And they get the news, they get this message, and they travel all this way. And from outside, they come to this situation and they declare this is the reality of who Jesus is. And it's this big moment from the outside, Jesus' truth, his reality being proclaimed and declared. 
And so here at Epiphany this weekend, I thought it'd be kind of fun if we read through that story uh, today, this morning, and just kind of reflected on what it could mean for us, uh, what's in it for us. And so as you think about the story, maybe I invite you to a few things. One, imagine you're a filmmaker and you're trying to capture this scene, this story. Imagine it through your lens of your camera, okay? How would you frame this? What would it look like? Or imagine you're one of the characters in a story this morning. Maybe you're one of the wise men, the, the scholars from the East, and you're on your travels and you're experiencing all this. Imagine this story from that perspective. Or maybe you're in the inside crew. Maybe you're Mary or Joseph or one of these people in the, in the manger. Well, actually, they're not in the manger anymore. Yeah, because they moved from the manger to more of a stabilized housing situation by the time the three wise men show up. See, another wrong thing about that nativity scene. Anyway, they're in more of a stable situation, but imagine you're maybe part of the house crew or you're Mary or Joseph, and what's it like having these, these scholars from the East show up? and bring their gifts and all that happens. Imagine you're maybe one of those characters this morning. Okay, and then I have another activity and interactive element today, and that's because you know, we got a lot of kids with us today. I thought this would be kind of fun. So kids, here's your heart, and all the young at heart, join with them, okay, to give them encouragement. This story has good guy and a bad guy. <clears throat> the bad guy is Herod, King Herod. So when I say Herod, you gotta say boo. You know, you have to be like ah, ah, down. You know? Boo with Herod, and then the good people are the scholars from the east. Okay, the scholars say yay. The scholars are good. Okay, so let's try it out. I'm gonna do a practice. Here we go. Ready? And then Herod. Very yes. good. Okay, and then the scholars. Okay, ready? So, you ready? And God is journeying together. Here it is. After Jesus was born in Bethlehem Village, Judah territory. This was during Herod's kingship. A band of scholars arrived in Jerusalem from the east. And they asked around. Where can we find and pay homage to the newborn king of the Jews? We observed a star in the eastern sky that signaled his birth and we're on pilgrimage to worship him. Let me just pause and say, these, these guys are mysterious. There's so much scholarship around. Who were these three wise men, these scholars? One thing we know is they study the stars in the east. So they've got charts and maps. I mean, they're like scientists. They're like, the, I don't know, they're way ahead of their time. And they're studying all these stars. And then their study gets interrupted by this divine message. And this star that says the, the savior of the world, the king of the Jews, the Messiah, is going to be born. And, and they're like, what? So they're, they're exploring this. They're following it as they go. Okay, goes on. When word of their inquiry got to Herod, he was terrified. And not Herod alone, but most of Jerusalem as well. Side note. Yeah, sure. I mean, you might say, why were they terrified? What are they so scared about? Well, it was their authority. They 
there's this news of this king of the Jews, this Messiah, this savior of the world, and the Jewish people and Herod, they had this tight grip and they had this control and this authority and they pushed everyone else down and they were afraid that their authority would be undermined. They would lose their grip on their control. So they were afraid. So, Herod lost no time. He gathered all the high priests and religious scholars in the city together and asked, where is the Messiah supposed to be born? And they told him, Bethlehem, Judah territory. The prophet Micah wrote it plainly. It's you, Bethlehem, in Judah's land, no longer bringing up the rear, for you will come, the leader who will shepherd rule my people, my Israel. Herod, he then arranged a secret meeting with the scholars from the east, pretending to be as devout as they were. He got them to tell him exactly when the birth announcement star appeared. Then he told them the prophecy about Bethlehem and said, go find this child. Leave no stone unturned. As soon as you find him, send word, and I'll join you at once to worship him. Right? He tricked him. He doesn't want to worship him. He wants to kill him. In fact, Herod, later in the story. Yeah, good one. He will actually pull off this tragic genocide of all children trying to stop this child from living and growing up. Well, instructed by the king, the scholars, they set off. Um, And then the star appeared again. The same star they had seen in the eastern skies. And it led them on until it hovered over the place of the child. They could hardly contain themselves. They were in the right place. They had arrived at the right time. And there's a verse in the... the, um, NLT, I wanted to, to read it for you because it really succinctly tells it up. Yeah. When they saw the star, they were filled with joy. I mean, that's just this, they're just so excited. Here they are. They made it. So then they entered the house and they saw the child in the arms of Mary, his mother. Overcome, they kneeled and worshipped him. And then they opened their luggage and presented gifts. Gold, frankincense, and myrrh. In a dream, they were warned not to report back to Herod. So they worked out another route, left the territory without being seen, and returned to their own country. The end. (laughs) And the scholars... We don't know anything about them after that. Um, I was going to say they lived happily ever after, but we, we don't really know. Uh, there's so much mystery about the scholars, but they did make it back. They circumvented the, the horrible plans of the king, and they were able to, to tell their story. They were able to you know, share it. It's so amazing to imagine these, these the, some of the pictures through the centuries you've been seeing them on the screen here. They depict... These wise men coming with a big caravan. Like this was a big production. These three guys on their camels, all these gifts. And they must have had people, they must have had a crew of people helping them travel all this far distance 
to see this baby. And it's so amazing to, to see that out of the east, from, from far away, disconnected from the story, these guys get uh, this message. And then they follow it up. They explore it. You know, they're curious. And they, they chase after this sign. And then they find Jesus. And they, they, they waste no time. They recognize who he is. They bring their gifts. They worship him. And they say, this is the king. You know, this is the promised one, the savior, the Messiah. And so this morning, as we think about Epiphany, this moment, these guys grasp reality in a fresh way. They saw it for what it really was. And, and for us, it, it challenges us, do we, um, do we have the, you know, sort of the, the reflective capacity to think about who Jesus is for us? Like, what's our reality of who Jesus is? And maybe for you, your journey with Jesus, maybe uh, you've had that kind of big moment, you know, that epiphany moment where the reality of who Jesus is just comes clear. It's unmistakable, you know, and you're like, oh, my goodness, I see it now. And it changes everything. Uh, but maybe it's been a journey of glimpses, and shadows, a journey along the way of discovering who Jesus is. One of my favorite scholars, C.S. Lewis, of course, he has this neat story that he was an atheist as a teenager, totally had wanted nothing to do with God. But then through his life and study, he started to see the, the reality of who Jesus could be. And he began to really wrestle with Christianity and putting his faith in Jesus. But that was such a wrestle for him. He was a scientist, a, a, a literary, he he was fluent in Latin, you know. I mean, this guy was so smart, and he wrestled with who this Jesus could be and what faith could be like in his life. And there's this one moment where he says, you know, I was just with my friend on the motorcycle. I was in the sidecar. He was riding. And we were going from one town to the other, and I don't know how to explain it, but on the ride, I, didn't, I wasn't a Christian when I got in the sidecar. And then when we got to the town, I got out of the sidecar, and I, I think I was a Christian. You know, like, you know, there's just this moment where he puts his faith, he, he steps over this line and he says, you know what, I want to give this a shot. I think this is real, right? This revelation, this epiphany kind of flooding in uh, to his life. And, and maybe, that's, maybe that's true for us as we go on this journey with him. What is Jesus showing himself to be? How is he revealing himself to you? Um, of course, we talked about this Christmas Eve, that Jesus, when he comes, is this child, is this baby, that that is not the end of the story. It's the beginning of the story. Jesus' life would go on to, to inspire so many as he shared his mission and his message and the truth about who he was. He began to tell this reality that he's from God, that he's the son of God, that he came to rescue us from our disinterest in God and our selfishness. The Bible calls sin this disconnect from God. But Jesus would come and rescue us from that by dying in our place on a cross, by rising again, and, and giving us this grace, this gift of mercy that none of us deserve, but because of his coming and his living here, this life that we get in on this life that he offers us. So, so for us, we have this moment to kind of wrestle with that. What does that mean for us? And where are we at on that journey? And how much of that reality are we grasping this morning? Well, I want to invite us to just a few moments of response before we, we kind of close and pack up and head downstairs for some brunch. Um, I want to give us some, some moments to, to reflect. At the beginning of this year, our new series is called Start With Jesus. 
We're going to be looking at the life of Jesus, his early years of his life, as he began to declare his mission and message. And then we're going to look at how he lived his life and what that means for us in following him. So we start with Jesus at the beginning of this new year. There's no better place to start. Uh, but for you and for me here this morning, I want to invite us to just wrestle with some questions. I have some reflective questions on a piece of paper that's on your seat. So I invite you to take it out and spend, spend a few moments as we close with these questions. And you, you might want to grab a pen because if you need to journal it in, just write it in here. It is on this card and you can take this piece of paper and stick it in your mirror at home or on your dashboard in your car or wherever you'll stick it in your your bible but it's a place for you to kind of reflect and ponder and and these are some questions that i invite us to this morning this first one is where in your life do you want to see jesus in a new year where do you want to see jesus where do you want your eyes to be open to Jesus' presence with you. Maybe this is a place in your life like a, like a situation, or maybe it's like a relationship, or maybe it's a, um, like, yeah, like a, a place, a job, or a family connection, or where some context in your life. Where do you want to see Jesus most show up? Uh, maybe it's a, a struggle that you're right now involved in. How do you get through this struggle? You want to see Jesus show up in this struggle. Just write it down, you know? This is just for you and God. Uh, This is kind of a personal journal. The second question is, what are some things that you can do to help open your eyes to Jesus' presence with you? So Jesus has promised to always be with us, that God is always with us. We sometimes miss him because we're distracted and we're caught up in all the commotion of our lives. We miss God's presence with us. So what are some things maybe you could do in your life this new year that would help you open your eyes a bit to Jesus' presence with you? Maybe it's not doing some things like whatever, TV or social media or whatever. Maybe it's doing some new things like maybe reading the Bible a little more regularly or, or praying and talking to God, spending some time, maybe scheduling it into your day, you know? How can you, how can you make some practices that would help you Open your eyes to Jesus. And this last question is, Jesus' birth was God's new act of grace, this fresh start, a second chance. So the question is, what new thing is God birthing in you this year? What's something new that God is doing that he's stirring up in your life? And and I just invite you, write it down. Maybe there's there's multiple things that you're sensing God's bringing up. Maybe it's just one thing. Uh, But I just invite you to take some time, write it out on this card here. I'm going to play a little bit of music behind as we take some moments to reflect on this. I want to invite you also to communion. It's another way we can respond today. Uh, We have communion tables set up in the back. And it's the, the, the plastic cup with a little bread at the top and some juice inside. And some instructions on the table about communion. And so I invite you, you know, if you feel like you've done this reflective exercise and you're ready to take communion and you want to, and as an expression of your faith in Jesus, to take communion, we invite you. There's tables there. You can come together as a group. You can kind of come on your own. It's kind of a self-directed time. And it's just a time to, to recognize Jesus' body broken for us, his blood spilled for us, recognizing his sacrifice on the cross for us. And then thanking him uh, for that gift of grace 
that he gives. And so those tables will be available as well. It's just kind of a few minutes for us to just ponder and reflect today. And what is God stirring up in you? Uh, what is he revealing to you? Uh, what, what do you want to grasp the reality of in a new way this year? What epiphany are you looking for in this new year? Let's give these moments to God and see what he stirs up in us uh, in these moments. Maybe I'll say a little prayer for us too as we kick it off, huh? Let's pray. God, thank you for, again, your promise to be with us. And thank you, God, for your mercy and your grace and the fact that your mercy is new every morning. That each day, God, you meet us in a new way. And at the beginning of a new year, we pray that you would meet us in a special way as we reflect and as we open our heart and our eyes to you, hopefully to see you in a new way, God, in our lives. As we respond to these questions, as we take communion, would you just guide us and remind us that you're with us and that you love us?